takes the power of the Holy Spirit to truly have relationship heart to heart with other people. And when we when we think about the Triune God, um, before He said, "Let there be light," there was what Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There were the three in relationship with each other. Relationship began before we were created. And what did He say? Let's make man in our image. So we have that capacity. Um, that need for relationship. It's built into us by a holy God. So when people say, you know what, I'm just not relational, I don't really need anybody else, it's me and God and we're all good, what I would say to that is that's contrary to Scripture. Contrary to Scripture, because we were made for relationship with Him and with each other. And the only way we grow up and mature, sanctify, grow up in Christ, is what? With other people. And we all supply each other with those growth opportunities, do we not? <laughs> we do. You know, when we're selfish, when we're not our best, when we're angry, when we're not like Jesus, we are a growth opportunity for somebody else. <clears throat> and they are for us as well. So God uses us to help each other grow. So we're going to take a look at, um, as Donna said, Pastor Donna said, Ken Sandy is the author of a book called The Peacemaker. This book is a theology of how to resolve conflicts biblically. It is the best book I have ever read and used. Um, and I started using it 30 years ago in the workplace. Uh, just not citing chapter and verse, if you will, in terms of how to resolve conflict. But the principles last because they're God's word. What Ken Sandy decided to do after 30 years in peacemaker ministry is international in scope. Is he laid this ministry aside for some other people to come in and manage, and he started a new ministry about a year and a half ago called Relational Wisdom. His thought on starting Relational Wisdom was, how do we get upstream of conflict? I've spent 30 years teaching people how to manage conflict. Now, how do we get upstream of that so that when conflict comes, we have more resiliency in our relationships? Because we have relationships. We have more chips in the bag, so to speak so that we are building effective relationships in an intentional way by the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. Isn't that different? Yeah. People don't exist to meet my needs or your needs, quite frankly. They don't. And it's a really dangerous place to play if we think people are here to meet our needs. Now, if that happens, you know, well and good. But at the end of the day, who we want to look to is we want God to meet our needs, we want to point other people to him, and then out of that grace, we have relationships. So what we're going to see today is a 45-minute, 40-minute tour of relational wisdom. I would highly encourage you to go to the website. Um, if there was one takeaway I would have for you today, we'd go to the website. They have a free seven-week course on this. Um, it's phenomenal. They have a certification course, a lot more intense. Um, but if you are good at this, how many people here are familiar with the term emotional intelligence? Good, good. What, what, what Ken Sandy did is took the research out of EI, out of emotional intelligence. Much of it comes out of Case Western Reserve, by the way, in Cleveland. He took, yeah. Remember when he said that? Yeah, EI, a lot of the research comes out of Case. And what he did was he took the relational wisdom pieces. What does God's word say about relationships? Then he brought some of the neuroscience the uh, studies in emotional intelligence and brought that together in this picture called RW360 or a 360 degree of relationships. So you're going to get uh, a quick tour of it, but 
on the website, the, there's a full um, seven-week free training. I recommend it. We're also going to see some film clips, and I'm going to only show you a few. But do his, it's an eight-hour full-day training. You'll see film clips, like out of Les Mis, like out of Fireproof. And the intent of that is then for us to see the principles in the film, and I'll show you a couple, just so you get a sense of that, and then discussions among your congregation. So if this is something you're interested in, um, this is how it would play. So what is relational wisdom? It's really living out the two great commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Now those are really familiar words, aren't they not? And then John says, what, a new commandment I give you? That you love one another just as I love you? For you are also to love one another. And by this people will know that you're my disciples. You belong to me because you love. That just as I have loved you really ups the ante, doesn't it? I mean, love one another, that's Old Testament stuff. And now what does Jesus say? Love just as I've loved you. So he gives us the pattern the Lord Jesus Christ, the motivation, honor the Father, and the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us all three of those things to love one another. It's a brand new day in terms of what love one another really means. And RW is like a relational operating system. Like you've got a map, it's your, it's your, it's your, it's your leopard or um, you know, your different operating systems. Um, but it's how you actually function in relationships. Oh, and here we've got, we've got a clip, if I can get this to play. From Cinderella Man, about three minutes. Hey, Dad. Hey. No shoots today, Dad. What are you doing, son? I'm being good. I'm being quiet. I'm being hazed. Great. <laughs> Daddy! Daddy! Hey, Rosie Cheek. How you doing? Daddy! Say a word about it, will you, Jay? Will you, Jay? Okay, pick it up. Let's go. Do not test me, boy. Right now. How to stay here? Worse off than what we are. 
just because things ain't easy. They don't give you the excuse to take what's not yours, does it? That's stealing, right? We don't steal. No matter what happens, we don't steal. Not ever. You got me? Are you giving me your word? Yes. through this fairly quickly because of the time constraints. Relationship actually, well, I'm going to submit to you, trumps expertise. Hard skills are things like uh, Bible knowledge. Okay, I know what, what scriptures are, what the verse is. It could be um, things like IT skills. That's the hard skill piece, technical. <clears throat> and soft skills, which I always think is kind of crazy. It's called soft because it's not. It's the hard stuff. But soft skills are relational abilities. Hard skills plus soft skills each equals value to the group is what many people think. But what we would say actually is it's a multiplication. That those soft skills make or break you. You can get hired, but to keep a job, it's going to be those soft skills. In the ministry, people really aren't hired and kept 
in the ministry because they're able to tell you what, where the verses are in the Bible. Their interpersonal skills, the ability to communicate compassion, kindness, empathy, this stuff, big deal matters. And it's actually a multiplication. So if you had a hard skill of 10 and you had a soft skill of zero, where would that land you? Zero, actually. Actually, you could go in the negative numbers. If you are really bad at the soft skills, and really bad could be so conflicted verse, like you're in the next city, okay? When that occurs, you are actually hurting, not helping that congregation. So that's, that's my thought on that. It says in Proverbs 22 that he who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. I wish I'd say the king is his, your friend. And you can substitute that in the workplace, as your boss, or truly the king, the one and only. But it says, he who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the favor of the king. Let's see. This does not want to advance in another video. Oh, you know what? I'm not going to show it because we don't have time. Oh, nope, that one I do want to show. I'm going to show you one more, but this one's too good to pass up. Jacket and tie. First in your class, 
School? High school? Yes, sir. How many in the class? Uh, Twelve. It was a small town. I'll say. But I was also first in my radar class in, in the Navy, and that was a class of 20. Can I say something? Um, I'm the type of person, if you ask me a question and I don't know the answer, I'm going to tell you that I don't know. But I bet you what? I know how to find the answer, and I will find the answer. Is that fair enough? Chris, what would you say if a guy walked in for an interview without a shirt on? And I hired him. What would you say? He must have had on some really nice pants. <laughs> that was a pursuit of happiness. Obviously, he was unemployed, looking for a job, and then we saw him go into um, a job interview situation that he'd been working on for some time. Three observations. What'd you see? In terms of emotional intelligence, relational wisdom, yes, sir. He was completely confident in the skills that he Yes. And was completely honest. If he didn't know, he would find someone or somehow give you that answer. Yeah, really self-aware and really confident in that self-awareness. Reference library. Yes, reference library. <laughs> That's right. What else did we see? Anybody else? Yes. this is like. He must have really had on some good pants. So again, the, the good resume gets you the, gets you the job, but relational skills let you keep the job and you get the promotion. Life is all about relationship. And I don't know, for those of you who saw Castaway Wilson, where he ended up talking to the soccer ball all those years he was marooned on an island, the need for relationship. If we don't have it, we're going to make it up. Okay? You got the fantasy piece. Relationships can be challenging. Okay. Truly. Um, three things that you see in this picture. Really quick. Three. <clears throat> Separation. Separation? Yes. They obviously care about each other. Obviously care about each other. One more. There's a wall. Physical wall. You think they've been here before? Yeah, I think so. You can see that there's something going on here. Um, but it's just like, oh my gosh, here we are again. 
Relationships are fueled by emotion. Emotion actually comes from the French word, which means to move. They're given to us by God. Sometimes I find people in the church are like, no, no, we don't trust emotions. We just kind of pretend they don't exist. Not possible. Not possible. God gave us emotions for a reason. And they're to enrich, relation, to enrich our lives. God has emotions. What? He cries. He loves us. He wants us. Jesus died for us. It wasn't because of an analytical, you know, flow blog. Because he cares passionately about us. Emotions are given to us. That, um, where there's neurological experiences, we can see it, uh, our, breath, our breathing, where, where intense emotions, our breathing changes, our, our um, neuromuscular system changes, cardiovascular system. Um, it's all wired together. We are truly, fearfully, and wonderfully made. And it can work positively or negatively. There's such a thing called emotional hijacking. Believe it or not, actually what happens is the thalamus receives, near our spinal cord, we actually receive information and sound. It comes through here, touch, taste, smell. And then we have the limbic system, that's I feel. And then, and then comes I think. So we feel before we think. It's nanoseconds, but that's the sequencing. What can occur is our emotions can get triggered if we have a filing cabinet that has things like Snakes are really bad and they're going to hurt you, okay? Then you see a snake. There's something called an amygdala, which decides, am I going to fight or am I running? And it can get triggered so that that will actually overtake us. So our emotions rule, and they're designed for fight or flight. It's our survival. But we can get so practiced at this then that that amygdala hijacking can actually occur, and we are emotionally flooded, and we move on the basis of that even though that snake might have been plastic. But that's how our brains can work. And our hippocampus is where we actually begin to analyze from stored memory. That is a very fast view of what can occur there. But the bottom line is, as emotions go up, rational thinking goes down. So we don't want to ignore emotions, but neither do we want to say, we're following you hook, line, and sinker. They're for a reason, but it's not to lead us. I want to show that, but I can't. It's just, I'm, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me, and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head, and it's relentless, and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most, is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. <laughs> You do have a nail in your head. It's not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop maybe, trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. See, you're not going to listen now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. Sometimes it's like there's this achy. I don't know what it is. All my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. 
on. If you would just don't. <laughs> the awareness which is what do I know what do I know about God what do I know about others and what do I know about myself and then the engage piece what will I do about that then because just because I know that I need to that um, I have a propensity to like um, airplane seats that have room for long legs okay <laughs> when I'm in that situation somebody's leaning back I have to do some self-engagement like, excuse me, yeah. you know, to be able to control yourself. We've seen yeah. in the newspaper people have been kicked off planes over fights about sea legs. Yeah. Yeah. I personally get it, yeah. But, yeah. but not what God would have us do. So we have a what, what do we know, and then what will we do about it? Awareness and engagement, God, self, others. In our W is thought, relational wisdom is taught throughout Scripture. If we look at the red as God... God engaged, the blue, the blue as self-aware, and the green as other-aware. Look at that scripture. We said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by which you're sealed into the day of redemption. Okay, God-aware. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you and all malice, others. So what do we do about that? Self-engaged, be kind. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Why? Back to God, as God in Christ forgave. So you see the full... 360 in that particular passage. And there's a lot of them in Scripture, so start looking for those. <clears throat> in each RW discipline, fuels and supports the other. As we hear the Lord better, we will understand ourselves better. Because we don't even know Him apart from Him. We don't know ourselves apart from Him. And we can't know others truly outside of His help. And in these ranges of proficiency, there's actually words that um, Ken Sandy has designed, and they're in your flyer here, under um, the page that has the RW circle in it. And you can see here that God aware is to remember God's faithfulness. And let's see if I can go to the next one here quickly. I'll back it up. Each one of these we're going to define... God aware is remember, God engages his faithfulness. Self-aware is humility. The discipline for self-engaged. Other aware is compassion. And other engaged is serving. And we're going to go a little deeper in this. Again, you're just getting the nickel tour. The relational wisdom is your ability to discern the emotions and interests in yourself and others. Interpret them in the light of God's word. Interpret them in the light of scripture. And then manage our responses and our relationships constructively. 
And again, the gospel provides the motive, the pattern, and the power for relational wisdom. Then here are the six habits. Under God awareness, we see the word remember. It's the ability to view all of life in light of his character, his work, and his promises. So to see, to be God aware is to remember who he is, his attributes. God engagement is the ability to trust and imitate him. The faithfulness is the word there. And obey him in a way that pleases and honors him. Self-awareness, that humility, and I love this definition of humility. You see so many um, in different Christian literature. But biblically, it's the ability to honestly discern your emotions, your own interests, your strengths, and your weaknesses. And then the self-engagement is discipline. We are ability to master our thoughts, our emotions, and words and actions so well, they advance my purposes. No, God's purposes. That that's the motive. And then other awareness is ability to understand and empathize with the experiences and emotions of others. That's compassion. And then service is how do we then serve them, resolve conflict in ways that truly benefit them. People live inside and outside this circle. Only the Lord Jesus Christ lived his life totally within that. And an example biblically is, think of David. When David was young, he was able to, he knew himself, I'm a shepherd. Um, he knew his strengths. I'm pretty good at the slingshot. Um, he, he knew others. The other people didn't want to play. They were afraid. And he looked at Goliath and what did he say? Who is he to defy the armies of the living God? Who is he? Because why? He knew God. He knew his God and he knew who he belonged to. So you see David at that point living very much inside that circle. David with Bathsheba? No. At that point, not. David did not do well there. And our lives are in and out that circle. Um, it, it, it takes God's help because our goal is obviously to live as much inside that circle as we can. So applying relational wisdom, we have a couple of principles here. And we're going to briefly talk about four of them. And I'll, again, I'll, I would recommend the website that will flesh this out more. But in terms of the SOB plan, be self-aware, other-aware, and God-aware. Because what, what are we really good at? Self-aware, right? Yeah, we start there oftentimes. That's our go-to position. Well, he says be God-aware, other-aware, and self-aware. Then following a trustworthy B GPS. Now, we have these GPSs that we use to get us from A to B. And I think that I really rely on mine. I got you. What if we had a GPS that was glorify God Pursue God and serve God. Again, these are just simple acrostics that could be game changers. Changers. I, I told a real quick story in the peacemaking group about a 18-year-old girl who was talking to me about a relationship issue. And at the end of a mentoring session, she said, I guess I got one more question. And it was a relationship issue with a guy. And uh, she she was really clear she wanted to end this, what was going on, quick and as cleanly as possible. And so what I said to her was, how would God be glorified in this conversation, in this relationship? She looked at me and she said, man, that's a game changer. It really is. I mean, these are simple words up here, but if we truly, truly, with our hearts, embrace that and said, how would this glorify God, especially in the tender places that we have in our own hearts, would that not change our relationships? What does God want here? What, what interest serves Him? 
because he will need us naturally to how to serve each other. So librarian, you're going to like this one. This um, acrostic is read. That is really simple to recognize the emotion we're in. Somebody asked me earlier, what if I don't know what I'm feeling? That's a place to really explore because we're often there. We don't realize it. Or, or, or anger is our go-to place. Or frustration is our go-to place if we're not getting what we want. So instead, to, to be able to recognize what we're feeling, evaluate what that emotion is, Anticipate, how's this going to work for me? If I move in the, in, the, in the direction of this emotion, what will likely be the outcome? And let's direct it so that it's a more positive, God-honoring option. It's a simple acrostic, but it's powerful if you will, if you will use it. And we have the serve principle. Um, research shows that people know when you're smiling, even when you're on the phone. They can't see you, but they know you're smiling. That that's how fine-tuned um, we can be in terms of communication. So smiling, a baby smile when we smile at them. There's some brain science that shows that there's actually some neuroscience there that is called mirroring that occurs when we smile and somebody else does back. That it's actually how our brains are wired. Explore and empathize. That whole empathy of Empathy is key to relationship building. Massive studies on that. Um, be, be a reconciler, value other people and their opinions and diversity. And then be an encourager, that means to add courage. To look to see when you have an interaction with someone that they leave better after talking with you. Um, even if they don't know that who you're looking to is the Lord for your strength. That they are better off having had that conversation with you. Peacemaking is a special ability of, and we can actually draw people back into the circle if people start to veer off. What if David had a, I bet he did, because of how God is, if he had a Nathan earlier who came and said, what are you doing? Before he sent Uriah to the front lines. If we could do that for each other, if we could help each other draw back into the circle by honest conversations instead of being conflict adverse, if we would love each other enough as Christians to say, can we talk about this? I'm concerned about. But so many times we're so busy about running in and running out of church or wherever, <laughs> that if somebody says, how you doing? I find good, that's good. I ask, they answer. But it's like if I look at your face and I said, you know, can we talk after church? You know, I'm not thinking that's true. So let's talk. If we have that gift of time and we make that for each other, I mean, how different it would be, people really would see the love of Christ, which makes us different. We are almost done. <clears throat> and it's really up to us to develop a plan for this. But that www.rw360.org, we have to practice them. Our go-to default position is selfishness. Our go-to position is to think about ourselves first. But to have God-awareness, engagement, other-aware, other engagement, self-aware, self-engagement, as part of this circle of 360 that honors God, that acts like the triune God who we belong to, the Church of Jesus Christ would rise in ways we wouldn't be worried about how to, uh, what kind of flyer to attract people to our church. It wouldn't be a problem. Amen. Because why? People would come because they know both guys love each other. And it's for real, because I saw them in the barbershop, or I saw them in the grocery store. 
And there was genuine kindness and concern. So, you know, I just would encourage you to ask the Lord to help you grow in this area, represent Him well for kingdom purposes. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you.